Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Awesome. Wasn't that good? Yeah. You know, uh, as they were singing that song, I was just thinking to myself, seeing those images, seeing those different places in our community, um, this really is my town. I hope it's yours. I don't know your background. Uh, Many people in this room uh, perhaps were born and raised in Peterborough. This has been your home since the time you were little. And uh, you've lived here, would think of living nowhere else. Others of you, perhaps you, you were born and raised here, moved away for a season of your life, and then you, you moved back to Peterborough, and Peterborough is now your home. Uh, others still, perhaps like if you're like me, uh, perhaps your home was somewhere else, and then you moved here for school, and you stuck around, or you married somebody and came to town. Or maybe there are some in this room who are just here for a short window of time, for work, for school, and your home will be somewhere else. But I can truly say that Peterborough is my town. Uh, When I was a young man away at Bible college, I'd never even heard of Peterborough. I couldn't have told you where it was. And then I met this young lady, and uh, she was kind of cute. She had these long floral dresses and big puffy hair. And uh, I remember her introducing herself to our music school class, and, and she said that she was from Peterborough. And I thought, where in the world is that? You see, I, I grew up all along the lake shore, so, you know, Trenton, Belleville, Mississauga, like all along Lake Ontario. I'd never even heard of Peterborough. And uh, so when she said she was from Peterborough, I thought, okay, that's interesting. And, of course, everyone usually asks if they don't know, where is Peterborough? And the answer is usually north of Toronto or northeast of Toronto. So, of course, I'm thinking, well, that's nowhere. And... Uh, <laughs> and so I, I remember going back to my apartment and pulling out a map of Ontario... Because that was before the days of digital maps. Like, we actually had paper maps. And I spread the map out, and I found Toronto, and I went north, and I found Barrie. And I'm like, that's not it. And I went east, and I found Peterborough. And on the map, it looked pretty small. I thought, this is a little hick town, you know? And, uh, and so we used to tease uh, this young lady whose name was Jessica. And uh, this is my wife. And uh, we used to tease her. We used to call her Hayseed because she came from this little remote farming village called Peterborough. And... Uh, and I, I remember looking at the map, and I saw a line right through the bottom of Peterborough. It was called Highway 7, which I, at the time, called the IQ line, right? So if you live north of that. <laughs> so we used to tease her, uh, Hayseed, north of the IQ line, all that. And, and, you know, God has a funny sense of humor because now uh, my wife and I live in a home with our four children about 100 meters north of the IQ line. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, at the age of uh, 21, um, moved to Peterborough, got married, and uh, Peterborough's been my home for over 20 years. And so there are lots of places that I could look back on my childhood and go, okay, I lived there, I lived there, I lived there. But there was never a place that I could point to and be like, that's my town, that's my home. And so Peterborough is, is my home. And so I feel pretty strongly about it because I believe that God is at work and wants to work throughout the world. Would you agree? In China, South America, Asia, uh, in, uh, in the United States, in every province, in every territory of Canada, God wants to work, and he is at work. But I also believe that God has something special for our town, that God wants to do something in the city of Peterborough, and that if he's going to do something in the city of Peterborough, I want to be part of it, don't you? Yeah. And so that's why we're talking about our town today. And so I wanted to kind of start with a question. And uh, here's the question that I wanted to ask. Uh, if a friend or family member was coming to Peterborough, 
What's the first place, the number one place you'd take them? Think about it. This person's never visited Peterborough. They're coming for the first time to your hometown. What is the number one place that you would want to take them? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we, we asked this question on social media. got lots of great responses. You can check those out. Uh, but maybe what we'll do is I'll count to three, and I want you all to just shout out your answer. All right? So we're going to do that. So everybody ready? You got something in mind? All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> I think that's the only wild water and wheels that I heard. Um, <laughs> okay, here's what we'll do, because I couldn't tell what you guys were saying. Um, I went on TripAdvisor, and sometimes when, I, when I'm traveling to a new town, I'll look up on TripAdvisor to see the top five, top ten things to do. And uh, so we'll just kind of put up the TripAdvisor list uh, for today. Uh, here's the, the number one place to visit in Peterborough, according to TripAdvisor, the Peterborough Lift Lock. Now, that should come as no surprise. It's an iconic landmark. The history is incredible. It's beautiful, all of that. So hopefully, if you have family and friends coming to town, you're going to check that out. The second uh, most visited place is the Riverview Park and Zoo. And I think sometimes we forget how, how blessed we are to have a free zoo in our city. Like, there are big cities that don't have a free zoo. It's incredible. What a great place to live. Uh, number three, the Canoe Museum, uh, which may surprise some of you. Um, it, it's, a fant- it's way better inside than it is outside, I'll say that. Um, number four, the Petroglyphs Provincial Park. That one surprised me. Uh, it's not a regular stop for me. And then number five was the Weetung Ojibwa Arts and Crafts Gallery. Uh, so those are your top five. You may agree with them, you may not. But, but here's another question. What if the Peterborough Liftlock disappeared? Do you think anybody would notice? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if tomorrow it was gone... Um, I think people would notice it is, it is an important piece of our, our, our community and our culture. Uh, if the Riverview Park and Zoo disappeared, would anybody notice? Yeah, I, I think there would be uh, protest marches by parents of toddlers all over the city. They would just be standing in front of City Hall with signs, bring us back our zoo or something. People would notice. But here's food for thought. What if Pathway Church disappeared? Would anybody notice? I hope so. I hope so, but I don't know. I mean, if tomorrow morning there was a a newspaper article in the Peterborough Examiner, and someone's going to be like, they don't publish on Monday. I don't care. Go with me. It's an analogy. So tomorrow morning, a paper lands on your front porch, and on the front cover it says, another church in Peterborough has closed its doors. Pathway Church, and it does a little write-up. What would the general consensus of the city at large be? Would they be glad? Would they be like, oh, great, finally, we got rid of that church, or, you know, religious people are destroying our community. Like, I don't know, what would they be thinking? Or would they be sad, thinking, wow, that's too bad that a church closed down because churches, you know, are are good for the culture, good for the society, they make a difference in our community. Or would they just be indifferent? Like, who cares? Churches are relevant anyways. Would they just go, oh, and flip to the next page to find out how the Pete's did? Like, I don't know what the answer would be to that question. Over the next three weeks, though, I'd like to have a serious conversation as a church family, those who call Pathway Home, about how our church, our community, can impact our city. And I really believe that we can. And over the next three weeks, what I want to do is not just, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just talk about things that make us feel good, and so then we can pat ourselves on the back, go, isn't that great? We love our city. And then we go on to the next series and just move on. What I want to do is help us to create a culture within our church of generosity, love, and service that moves us out of the four walls of this church into our community in a way that impacts them with the love of God. 
And so we're beginning um, something that we're going to be calling For Peterborough. You can kind of see it on the back, back wall. Uh, for Peterborough. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of thinking. It's a frame of mind and a culture that we want to create around here. I love the word for, right? Because the word for is it's a positive word. It's a, it's a move forward word. And you, you yell it when you're playing golf, which is also great. And for Peterborough. The most famous verse in all the Bible uh, begins with this word. And even if you've never been to church before, your first time, you've probably heard this verse. Because it's the most famous verse in all of the Bible. And it's found in John 3, 16. And my guess is many of us in this room could quote it from memory. Uh, but let's take a look at the words of this passage. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that powerful? God so loved us. No, it says God so loved the world. And the problem sometimes as Christians, those of us who follow Jesus, we read a verse like this and we interpret, for God so loved me, which is good. God did love you. But we forget that it says God so loved the world. That God is not just passionately in love with you, but he's passionately in love with the people that walk our streets, who don't think like us, who don't believe like us, who don't behave like us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who did God love? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us that God loves holy people who've got it all together. It actually tells us that he loved us while we were sinners. So we think of ourselves as the good guys and people outside the walls sometimes, and I know not all of you do this, But it's easy for us to think insider, outsider. Church people, Christians, non-church people, non-Christians. Good guys, bad guys. And that's not the right way to think about it. Because the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all missed the mark. And it's by his grace that we become part of his family. And so we are loved by God and we've received our Savior. God loves sinners, broken people, lost people, those who opposed him and resisted him. My favorite verse in the whole Bible says this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was the bad guy, he laid down his life for me. That's a great thing to remember. And so, who did God love? He loved us. He loved the world. How did he love? Well, if you look at the life of Jesus, what you're going to discover is Jesus served the poor. He helped the hopeless. He healed the sick. He spent time with people who were nothing like him. He pointed them to the Father, and then he laid down his life. And gave everything for us. Unbelievable. And that sounds amazing. And to me that's a picture of what the church should be. A community that loves. A community that is for our community. That is willing to lay down our lives. For the people that God loves. And yet unfortunately this is true. Check this out. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against. Rather than what the church is for. It's just true. If you read something in the paper about Christians, it's, all, it's usually negative. It's usually somebody standing with a really angry face holding a sign. And it's like, these Christians are opposing this and this and this. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't oppose things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have opinions. I'm not saying that we shouldn't um, have political views. And I'm, I'm saying that sometimes people only see Christians for what they're against and rather than what they are for. And because of that, they believe, the people outside the walls of the church believe the church isn't for them. Because the church isn't for them. Right? That place isn't a place for me because those people don't like me. Those people are judging me. Those people are trying to change me. And so they don't believe that God is for them. 
And honestly, I, I think what needs to change is perspective. Perspective has always been a thing that's fascinating to me. Two people look at the very same thing and come to two very different conclusions. Have you ever experienced this? So you have a dog, right? The dog looks at his, looks at his master, and the dog looks at the master and thinks, you love me, you feed me, you play with me, you must be God. And they're just tails wagging, just, oh, bright eyes. If you have a cat, <laughs> the cat looks at the same situation and says, you love me, you feed me, you play with me, I must be God, right? <laughs> exact same scenario, looking at the same thing. If you can could, you could tell I'm not a big fan of cats. And, and yet people who love cats keep coming to our church. It's something, the grace, the grace of God or something. But you can look at the very same situation and see two vastly different things. Am I right? It's true. So perspective is an important thing to consider that our perspective often needs to change. Some of you will have seen this image here. Okay, now let me, I'm going to get a show of hands. How many of you see an old woman? Put up your hand. Throw up your hands if you see an old woman. Okay, there's a bunch of hands going up. How many of you see a young woman looking away? Okay, even more. How many of you see both? Okay, okay, a bunch of people see both. So actually what you have is one of these images where if you look up at the top side, you're going to see a young woman looking away in the distance, and then you can see this old lady's face. And it's amazing to a big group of people, and, and some people are seeing one thing, and other people are seeing another thing. And you know what? I would say this is true. For many of us in this room, we open up this book called the Bible, and you can take the image down. Thanks, MJ. Uh, people in this room will open up the Bible, and we find something in here that gives life to us. We look at it and we go, oh, this tells a story of love, the love that God had for us, how he sent his son, died for us. And it's just like, oh, this thing feeds me. It's the best thing ever. And I'm just in love with God. And someone else can open up the same book and find all these verses and be like, oh, what an awful, horrific, genocidal book. And they're, they're seeing something entirely different. And so at first glance, it would be very easy for us Okay, as people within the church to be like, well, I know what the problem is. The problem is they don't see it my way. Like, if they would just look at this thing the way I do, oh, they would fall in love with Jesus, they would surrender their life, everything would be fantastic. So the problem is them. If they would just see it through my eyes. And I think that's, you know, that's one of those things that would be, uh, it would be easy if we could just do that. But whose perspective really needs to change? That's the question that we're asking today, because we can't change people's perspective out there, but we can do some work in here, okay? And I believe that the church, us, those inside the family of God, need to change the way we view the people outside the church walls. And if we do that first, then it will begin to change and shape the way the people outside the walls view the people that are inside these walls today, okay? Let me give you an example. There are two church perspectives, and I grew up in church, so I've seen it all. And so there is this perspective within the church community that would say, hey, look, um, I'm looking outside into my community, and here's what I see. And I know none of you would be like this, but maybe you've seen it somewhere else. But church people can look outside the walls and think, wow, hopeless. <laughs> what a godless bunch of sinners in our city. <laughs> let's huddle up in the church. Let's sing hymns. Let's sing choruses to Jesus. We'll preach to the choir. We'll all shout amen, and we'll just wait in the church basement for Jesus to come back. That is the perspective that some people in some churches hold. Or 
a Christian community can instead, and this would be the other perspective, look outside the walls of the church, look into their place of business, look into their schools, look into the community at large and think like this. What an opportunity is in front of us. Our city is full of people that God loves, that Jesus died for, that Jesus longs to save. Let's get out of the four walls of our church. Let's love people. Let's share our story in relationship with them and serve our city until the Lord returns. You see the difference? Same people, same set of doctrines, reading the same book and have two very, very different perspectives on the community that is around them. And likewise, the, the community at large, so people outside the church, non-believers, let's say, they can have two perspectives too. All right? Many people outside the church, and statistics show this to be true, it's a growing, it's a growing fad, that people outside of the church uh, look at the church, look at Christians, professing Christians, and think, what a bunch of judgmental do-gooders who think they know how I should live and think they can enforce their rules on me. They're against LGBTQ. They're against uh, women's rights to choose. They're against my political party. They're against my kids. They're against me. I mean, it's not true, but it's the way that people sometimes view Christianity in the church. It's unfortunate. But they can look out and see that. Or, and this is what I hope to do, as we build relationships with our community, the, the narrative begins to change. And perhaps those who don't believe what we believe, who don't do what we do, worship the God we worship, that they might look at the church and think, I'm not sure what these people believe, but I see in them and feel from them a love I cannot explain. They serve our community. They help wherever they can. They don't pass judgment on me, even though I know they don't believe what I believe. I feel their love. And I'm intrigued by what it is they have. This is, in fact, what Jesus said. He said that, that you would know his disciples by their love for one another. Not a doctrine, not a type of building, a way of dressing, a style of music. Love was going to be the thing that would identify the children of God for the world to see. So what does that look like for us as a church? 1 John uh, 4 John, uh, Jesus's, one of Jesus' closest disciples, uh, wrote these words. He said, Beloved, talking to the church, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, the sign that somebody is a Christian, you know, it, it, it isn't a mantra they, they say, it, it isn't a church membership role. The sign that someone is a child of God is that they have the love of God in them. And he says, look, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And he continues by saying this in the next verse. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So I don't care what you say you believe. I don't care how often you're in church. I don't, know how, I don't care how many verses you can, you can quote from memory. If you don't have love for people that God created, you don't know him. Because he is love, and he loves the world so much that he would die for the world. Man, you know, um, in the past month I've been, I've been doing a little bit of studying. I'm thinking about doing a series, um, probably in the new year, called The End of the World as We Know It. And uh, I want to I talk about the biblical passages on the end times. 
All right, because the Bible actually says a lot about the end of the world, and, and it talks a lot about what is coming in the future. Now, some of it is kind of in, la- in code language, and you have to sort of interpret it, and some of it we don't know exactly. We certainly don't know the dates and times, but there's all kinds of, of amazing passages in Scripture that talk about what is to come and how we're to prepare for it. So I thought it would be cool to do that. So as I was uh, studying all these passages throughout the Bible, thinking about that, um, I stumbled onto Matthew 25, and of course... At the end of uh, Matthew's gospel, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to his death. And he begins to tell them about signs of the end of the world. And he begins to talk about what's coming. And what he does promise, and this is certain, is that he would go away. He resurrected and ascended to heaven, but that he said he would return. And so there is a future date when Jesus returns. And what was fascinating to me is what he says about when he returns. And so I want to look at these passages together. All right, so uh, brace yourself for Jesus' words, because as is usually the case when Jesus speaks, it's never easy on us. (laughs) All right, here's what he says in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, comes in his glory. First time Jesus came, he came as a baby, and we celebrated Christmas. First time he came, he came like a a man in, in flesh. The next time he comes, he comes as a majestic king with an army. All right? And so sometimes we see, you know, Jesus holding the little lamb, cuddling with the little lamb. Well, you're going to see Jesus coming in his glory. And that's a whole, different, a whole different way to see him. And it says this, and all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne. So Jesus comes back to rule as a just king. Before him will be gathered all the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every language, every person from every divide, will stand before him. And it says this, he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right. You want to be a sheep. Bah. Okay? The sheep are the good ones, and the right is the, is the hand of blessing. That's where the, the sheep are going on the right, and then the goats are going on the left. And again, in church, Christian people think, sweet. You know, I'm a sheep. I go to church. Hold on. Jesus will, with his perfect judgment, separate into two groups of people. One for blessing and eternal reward, and the other for judgment. So it's kind of a scary picture. So the question is, how does does Jesus determine which group goes into which group? Like, how do you and I know which group we're going to be in? That's a great question. Let's keep reading. Then the king will say to those on his right, these are the ones, there's the sheep. Bah, they're the ones we want to be. He says, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's good news. That's the group I want to be in. So how do we know if we're a sheep? How do we know? If we're the ones that get to inherit eternal life and live with him forever, how do we know? He's going to tell us next. Check this out. It's powerful. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Now, the righteous, okay, the sheep, they're all in that group. The righteous will answer him on that day saying, Lord, when did we see you in such a situation? 
When did we see you, our master, in need? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked and in prison? When did we see a stranger and welcome you, naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus points to the love that was lived out in their lifetime towards those who could pay them nothing in return, those who could give nothing back. See, Jesus talks often about how we can, we can give to people who give back to us. You know, like when you, when you have family and you have a birthday party, no problem, right? You buy them a gift. It's about a $30 limit. And then, you know, six months later when it's your birthday, they buy you a gift for $20. And you feel a little slighted by that because it's not fair. Because it wasn't real generosity. It wasn't real love. Because real love is when you give expecting nothing in return. Real love is when you give and it's like, nope. I gave because God gave to me, and I give it to you expecting nothing in return. So Jesus is like, hey, those of you who are, here's how I'm going to know. It's not that you do good things to get to heaven. It's that if you have heaven in your heart, and if you truly know the God of heaven, you will give, you will love, you will serve, and it will be evident in your life. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm looking at what you did, and you served the least of these, and when you did it, you did it unto me, reward. Next, we're not going to read it, but in the next, he's going to flip the whole thing around. So who are the goats? He says, to you guys over here, you saw me hungry, you saw me naked, you saw me thirsty, you saw me in prison, you did nothing. And they're like, no, no, we didn't see you in that position. He's like, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me away with you. It's powerful. And you read this, like, okay, I guess... For those of us who claim to know God, we cannot turn a blind eye to the needs around us. Whether those needs be here within our family, our church, or outside the walls of our church. As Jessica mentioned during the welcome, when, when, we, when we began Pathway Church, I actually had a binder. I still have it somewhere. I had a binder. And as I was praying and preparing for Pathway Church to begin, I was, I was formulating all of the things that I believe God was showing me that Pathway Church would be. And it's really cool to look back at the binder because many of the things that, that I envisioned for our church, we have already accomplished and done and God is doing. And so that was so exciting to see that. But one of the things that was in there was there was a statement in there. It was kind of one of our objectives as a church. I wanted to be a church that made such a difference in our community that if we disappeared, our community would recognize it, notice it, and feel the loss. I really believe that if we're following Jesus in the truest sense of the word, that there's no way we couldn't impact our city through love, generosity, and service. And so one of the things we tried to do at the outset was uh, we tried to do some acts of service. So year one, we had like 60 people, and we decided to do a citywide egg hunt. And the purpose was just to let families in our community know that the church is for them. And parents would come up to me and say, well, why, who paid for this? Like, what well, we did. I'm like, why would you do this? Because we love our city and we care and we want it to be a great place to live. And they're like, what? Because people don't realize, they, they think, again, their idea is that the church is against them rather than the church being for them. And so that was why we did that. And honestly, over the last, uh, over the last year, year and a half, the, our focus, at least my focus as a leader of the church, has been on raising funds and a future home and building, and that's fantastic. And we're moving in that direction, and someday we'll have a building. But, but then I got to thinking and praying and realized, you know, as cool as it would be to have a building, and we will have one, 
it's easy for me, at least, to look and go, well, if we had a building, we could do this program and that program, and we could offer meals, and we could do these things, because our building would allow us to do it. And then it dawned on me, we didn't get this far with a building. We can love our city without a building, and we'll love a city until we're in a building, and then when we get a building, we'll use our building to love the city, okay? So the building's actually not the point. And I recognize that, hey, over the last couple years, we've really been so inwardly focused that it's time for us as a church to begin to turn outside of our walls and to get more involved in our community. That's something that I'm passionate about. I know many of you are because we did those little survey, those like green cards about three months ago, and 50% of them said something along the lines of, we need to get out of our doors and serve our community. And so I know that's your heart as well. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, for Peterborough is an initiative, it's a branding, it's a way to kind of tie these things together. Uh, what we wanted to do, though, is rather than just organize a big event, because I love events, events are fun, we could do a big event, and we could invite everyone in our church to be involved, and we could go and, like, clean up the city, or we could go and, like, serve or do, like, a big, we could paint houses and help people, and then at the end of the day, we could have a barbecue and be like, yes, we love the unlovely, we're, like, Jesus people, we're amazing, and we could pat ourselves and go home and be like, that's good for the year, can't wait till the event next year. But rather, I think it would be more important for us to create a culture of continual generosity and love towards our community. And so the goal is, is threefold. Just, just quickly touch on these three things. One, to, to create common ground. And uh, again, for years, we, we sort of divide by our differences. But in reality, we have a lot more in common with those who, who aren't Christians, who don't share our faith and beliefs than, than you might think. I mean, we live in the same city. We go to the same zoo with our kids, Right? We want our schools to be places where our kids can learn and grow and flourish. We want our streets to be safe. We want homeless to be sheltered. We, we want the same things as many of the people living in our city. And instead of focusing on the differences, we need to think about the things that we have in common. And so we want to create common ground. And, and that only happens by spending time with people um, outside the walls of the church. Number two, we want to create conversations. And conversations are great because in a conversation, you, you share yourself with other people. And you have the opportunity to share your story of faith. And you get to hear their story, which is huge. Because sometimes we look at people and we judge them where they're at, but we, we don't hear their story. And the only way you get someone's story is when you're in relationship with people. And so we want to create conversations, but conversations only happen when there's relationship. And honestly, one of the things we want to do as a church is help equip you guys to have conversations where you share your faith and answer difficult questions about your faith. That's, we're going we're to try to do that to equip you. But here's the thing. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many answers you have, if you don't have a relationship with your neighbor, with the people you work with, with the people in the city, you're never going to be able to share anything anyways. So we want to create common ground, create conversations, and third, we want to create opportunities for connection. So I won't say too much about this, but what we're going to do is instead of doing one big event in three weeks, and we all be part of it, and we go, yes, we did something, we're sheep, not goats. You know, instead of doing something like that, what we want to do is just, it's just going to be a slow burn. We're just going to continue to release opportunities, organize things. One of the things I've noticed in my own life is that, you know, how many, actually I won't sh ask for a show of hands. How many of you, um, just think about it in your head. How many of you, uh, you know, in the month of December think to yourself, we should go out and do something for others this year. Instead of spending thousands of dollars on electronics for our children, let's go out. And bless the world. Let's go out and do something. We'll teach our kids about love and generosity. And then December 24th rolls around. You're like, shoot, we missed it again. One of the things we're hoping to do is create uh, continuous opportunities 
for you as individuals, as families, and also as small groups, and then even as a church to get out into our community. And so uh, we're already in contact with a number of organizations. So that what we're going to do is we actually have some volunteers working behind the scenes who are setting up opportunities so that people in our church that want to serve, that want to get out of the doors and make a difference, will have the opportunity to do that. Does that make sense? So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be releasing those, those details over the coming weeks and then into the coming year. Uh, we'll use the hashtag for Peterborough so you can track the things on social media, and that's a great way. Uh, one thing you'll be able to do in the coming months is just search the hashtag for Peterborough, and you'll be able to see all kinds of images and stories of what God is doing through our church. Uh, the other thing about this is the for Peterborough initiative, it purposely says nothing about pathway, because it's not about pathway. It's about God's people being for the community, and, and it leaves the door open for other churches and people outside of our fellowship to join in and be part of this movement with us. So I hope that makes sense. You'll have more details in the upcoming weeks. In the next few weeks, um, you're going to hear a great message next week about the heart of being for the community, and we'll just keep rolling out details for you. So with that, I want to pray uh, a prayer with you, and then uh, we're going to share in communion, and I think that's a perfect way, a fitting way to end our service today as we think about being for our community. So if you'd join with me. Father, thank you for this amazing city that we live in. Lord, we pray for the upcoming election. And we know that there's uh, lots of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But God, we pray for our leaders, our mayor, uh, for the federal election that's upcoming. And God, we want to be, as a church community, for our community. And God, I pray that as we love and serve those who are less fortunate, as we get out of our comfort zone, as we get out of the walls of the church, I pray, Father, that as we do so, you would change us and help us to be more like you. God, it's easy to sit behind the comfortable walls of a church and think we've got it together. But God, you call us out of our comfort zone and out into the city that you love and in which we live. So God, help us. Uh, help us to have your love and to share it with those who may not have it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.